Hey folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully, you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you audit your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're going to get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down. My blood sugar is down. My weight's down. My health is up. My sleeping patterns are better. My metabolism is up. If you want to experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. Hello, America, and happy Tuesday. What an extraordinary show we have for you today. Two amazing guests. We're going to start off on the international front on security, looking at the Abraham Accords, the Iran a nuclear deal that isn't in the state of the Russian-Ukraine war and the protection of America against future terror attacks. We have the perfect guest to jump in on that. He's the former chief of staff to the National Security Council, one of the CIA's most skilled intelligence analysts, Fred Flights will be joining us for the first half of the show. And then we're going to go down to Louisiana into our good friend, the Attorney General of the great state of Louisiana, Jeff Landry. He has been fighting an epic lawsuit that has exposed extensive collusion between federal agencies under the Joe Biden administration and social media and media companies to censor Americans' opinions, thoughts on everything from the Hunter Biden laptop to contrary thoughts on the public health approach to the COVID-19 pandemic. He's going to tell us just how bad that censorship is, what's coming up with the impending testimony of Dr. Anthony Fauci, what else we could expect, and how dangerous this storm, this alliance is between federal agencies and social media giants to thwart American dissent. Those are going to be our two big, important guests today. You're going to love both of them. We're going to break a lot of news. Speaking of breaking news, tonight... I'm going to return my reporting back to the January 6th Capitol riot to the intelligence failures that Democrats on the January 6th committee don't want to investigate, that Republicans have been investigating but haven't put out the information on yet. I have an important set of documents, hundreds of pages of internal Capitol Police documents showing exactly how bad the intelligence failures were, how well known they were, and what the effort was to cover them up. The story is going to start with an extraordinary whistleblower memo. It has never been made public before. Tonight, you will see it for the first time on the Just the News website, probably around 11 o'clock tonight. When you wake up in the morning, it'll certainly be in your inbox. It was written. This is an email written three days after the January 6th Capitol riots. 
one of the Capitol Police's top intelligence analysts, a man named Eric Hoare, wrote a blistering email to his supervisors, the powers that be that run the Capitol Police, blowing the whistle on what he said was their failure to heed clear intelligence dating back to December 21st, 2020. So before Christmas, three weeks before the riots occurred, the clear intelligence, he said, that right-wing rioters were planning to storm the Capitol. And let me just read you a couple of extraordinary quotes from this memo that Just the News has obtained. It has authenticated. We have confirmed that Eric Hoare is now a whistleblower working with Republicans on the House Administration Committee. But here is what he wrote on January 9th, 2021, three days after the Capitol riot tragedy, where so many officers were attacked and assaulted, where the home of democracy and Congress was invaded. Here's what he had to write. We analysts, meaning the police analysts, have been reporting for weeks that Patriot groups are commenting on social media their intentions to storm the U.S. Capitol with overwhelming numbers. I don't know what was occurring behind the scenes, but I hope that information was briefed with the veracity underlined it deserved and not just a one-time event assessment. This email was actually entitled 1-6, January 6, Intelligence Failures. And he went on to say that he believed that politics and optics, a word that we keep hearing about January 6th, that had been used, for instance, to reject the offer from the Trump Pentagon for National Guard troops, that politics and optics had trumped intelligence, had trumped security considerations. And he said he had to wait to write the email. He wanted to calm himself down because, quote, I know I'm filled with anger and frustration watching videos of officers and friends that I served next to when I was in uniform being bullied. Watching posts that I've held being overrun still makes me nauseous. Those are some pretty powerful words from Eric Horn. What he basically went on to say is he urged the rank and file officers and the supervisors to be honest, to come forward, to acknowledge the intelligence failures so that they wouldn't be repeated again. Let me read you one of the money quotes in this extraordinary document. The notion that valid intelligence is trumped by optics or political decisions is unacceptable. Eric wrote, and puts lives in danger. This is a concept I've understood for a long time, and I know you are aware of all of this, and I hope its meaning is now obvious capitalized to all capitalized officials, commanders, and stakeholders. What a powerful rebuke. This guy put his job on the line to say, hey guys, you know we had the intelligence. We knew the Capitol was going to be stormed. We didn't prepare properly for it. And for that, Hoare was forced out of the Capitol Police Intelligence Unit. You know what happened to him, though? He left the Capitol Police, landed at the U.S. Homeland Security Department, where today he's assigned to training his whole police department, the Capitol Police, on how to avoid future intelligence failures like the one he wrote about in that memo on January 9th, 2021. That memo is going to be made public in the morning. You're hearing about it first here on the radio show tonight. In addition to that memo, we are going to put out several hundred pages of documents that show that starting on December 21st, 2020, so before Christmas, all the way through January 5th, the day before the riots, there were repeated, incessant, nonstop warnings coming in from the FBI, the Homeland Security Department, the U.S. Marshal Service, the District of Columbia Metropolitan Police Department, that right-wing extremists were planning to wreak havoc on the Capitol, that they planned to storm the Capitol, they planned to hang members of Congress, planned to interrupt disrupt, stop the counting and certification of election votes. All the things that happened were pre-warned. 
starting in December 21st, and one of the most interesting documents I'm going to make public tomorrow is a long set of intercepts that the Homeland Security Department pulled off a pro-Trump website where a lot of the extremists were talking about their intentions. And they were talking about storming the Capitol. They were talking about invading the tunnels. They were talking about thwarting the count. They were talking about hanging members of Congress. They talked about the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers. And they talked about their dislike for the Capitol Police. They believe the Capitol Police were protecting Antifa, like a Swiss guard protecting the Pope. There was a lot of hatred, a lot of vitriol, a lot of very specific information that came in on the 21st. A few days later, some of the intelligence analysts that work with Eric Horn were concerned because they weren't getting any feedback from this reaction. They were sending it to the bosses. Nothing was coming back. And one of those intelligence analysts who had been assigned to the FBI from the Capitol Police, a Capitol Police guy, Matt Hertog, wrote back and said, hey, I hate, sorry to do a double tap, meaning I'm sending it a second time, but I didn't get any response the first time. I want to make sure you guys are seeing this stuff. And Eric Hor came over the top and said, I'm going to remind the intelligence division to respond. We got to get on top of this. These warnings kept coming in on January 3rd, on January 4th, on January 5th. And then the police began to formulate their response. And as the response became getting formulated, the threats, the level of vitriol, the knowledge of exactly what the bad guys were talking about doing kept getting winnowed down, winnowed down, winnowed down, winnowed down. Less and less information. So by the time the riot units, the units that stopped civil disturbance on the Capitol Police, they were told there's no known threat at all. No known threat at all. I'm going to read you a document. This is a January 5th document. It is not in dispute. Its authenticity has been corroborated by Just the News by multiple officials in the Capitol Police Department. This is the operational plan for what are known as the civil disturbance units. We would call them the riot patrol. Remember, that's the riot patrol I previously reported. didn't even have its gear ready. It was in a bus and they couldn't get it unlocked because they had forgot the key. That's how laissez-faire they were on the morning of January 6th. And the reason they were laissez-faire, despite all the things you just heard from me about the warnings, 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 red lights blinking, is that their operational plan included this statement under the threat analysis. At this time, there are no specific known threats related to the joint session of Congress electoral college vote certification. That wasn't true, as you're going to see in my story tomorrow. But it is true that that's what they were told. And that's why they went into the morning of January 6th unprepared, ill-prepared, not ready for all of the violence that was being presaged in these earlier intelligence memos. And that is why, that is why Eric Hoare is writing that memo three days later saying, men, Women, rank and file, supervisors, get honest, be real. Own up to our failure so we don't do it again. And that is some of the stuff you're going to see from me tomorrow on justthenews.com. I hope to also have a little bit of this on the television show tonight, so you can tune in at 6 p.m. Eastern Time on Real America's Voice. Just the News, Not Noise. My colleague Amanda Head and I will be doing some of this on that show as well. But this is some of the documentation you're going to see Eric Hoare, a whistleblower, now working with House Republicans, wrote an extraordinary memo. It was entitled January 6 Intelligence Failures, plural. Read it tomorrow on justthenews.com. You got it first because you're Just the News fans and you listen to John Solomon reports. So we gave you a little bit of the scoop early on. All right, folks, we're going to take that commercial break. When we come back, first up, Fred Flights, one of the great intelligence experts in the United States, former chief of staff to the National Security Council, and then... The Attorney General of Louisiana, Jeff Landry, going to tell us about all that censorship from federal agencies, 
in big tech that he's uncovered in an epic lawsuit unfolding in the federal courts in Louisiana. He's joined by the Missouri Attorney General, Eric Schmidt, two guys who have been able to expose the sort of censorship I never imagined in my lifetime I would see my government and my media industry engaging, but it's real, documented, and Jeff Landry is going to give you the latest right after the commercial break. Hey folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully, you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you audit your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're going to get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down. My blood sugar is down. My weight's down. My health is up. My sleeping patterns are better. My metabolism is up. If you want to experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. I always love having this next guest on. You get straight answers about a very complicated world. He's the former chief of staff to the National Security Advisor under President Donald Trump and one of the true intelligence and security experts in the world, longtime intelligence analyst and a good friend as well, Fred Flights. Fred, great to have you on the show today. Hey, John, good to be here. So much to talk about, but I want to go back to two years ago this week because A lot of the mainstream media aren't paying attention to it. You just had an amazing event at the America First Policy Institute. Two years since the Abraham Accords were signed, the Middle East has been reshaped forever by that dynamic, but you'd never know it from reading the New York Times and the Washington Post. Your thoughts on the two-year anniversary? Well, it's just incredible. You may remember that John Kerry said that if the Trump administration tried to set some kind of a peace agreement without the Palestinians, war would break out throughout the Middle East. Well, of course, that wasn't true. We know that now. And it's significantly uh, promoted uh, stability in the Middle East. And it is an agreement that is enduring. It's even enduring uh, the incompetence of Joe Biden and his foreign policy team. 
we, we did an incredible event yesterday. Uh, Jared Kushner came, who was the key driver behind this event. You can watch video of it on our website, AmericaFirstPolicy.com. And he just talked about how they got there and how they overcame obstacles and doubters. And, you know, they, they, they thought they'd fail on many, many occasions and kept pushing through. And they came up with this incredible historic agreement that no one thought was possible. Yeah, it's, it's just remarkable. And it keeps giving little victories. I mean, there's still momentum, even with the U.S. not prodding at all right now under Joe Biden. Things like the Israelis being given clearance to fly through Saudi airspace, which would never have happened three or four or five or ten years ago. So there seems to be this continuation. Obviously, Saudi Arabia is probably a longer term game. Got to wait for the king to pass a new generation to take over there. But it seems to have an elasticity and dynamism that's going to carry into the next decade. Don't you agree? I think that's right. You know, you couldn't make phone calls between Israel and many of these countries. It wasn't just airline flights. And, and the key thing is that it recalibrated the, the security uh, situation in the Middle East, where it made these nations realize that Israel is not their enemy. Israel should be a partner for, for, for economics and, and for security. Their enemy is Iran. It's uniting the region against the state that is the existential enemy of freedom and security in the region, the Islamic Republic of Iran. On that topic, while the Trump administration achieved a significant gain with its signature policy effort in the Middle East, the Biden administration has not been able to get that elusive Iran deal reconstituted, despite making lots and lots and lots of concessions. Concessions that actually made career people resign from the team because they were so concerned about it. It seems like we're even past the point of life support on Iran deal. What's your assessment on the state of the negotiations with the Iranians and the nuclear deal. It is such a terrible deal. I think we discussed this before. Obama's Iran deal offered Iran $150 billion in sanctions relief. This one was going to offer $1 trillion in sanctions relief by 2030. And there were all kinds of other concessions. But look, Iran simply can't give us a yes. I mean, this was such a sellout, but they, they wanted concessions that Europe and the U.S. have not agreed to. The main, the, the main one was that they wanted all investigations of evidence of its covert nuclear weapons program to be closed. <laughs> and uh, we, we first wanted that investigation. We were going to let them give us pro forma nonsensical answers and then close it. That wasn't good enough. They just wanted the books closed. They didn't want to have to answer accusations of uranium traces that prove they are still engaged in covert nuclear weapons work. We, we were pre- just about prepared to give that to them. Unreal. That's just unreal. It's, it's, it's stunning when you hear those sort of things. The state of the region right now, it seems like the breakout moment for Iran is whenever soon, a year, months away. Now you have the Sunnis and the Israelis much more aligned. America, I think, will probably stay with its normal coalition at the end. What does the next five years look like in the region? What does Iran do in the absence of a deal? Well, we still have a pretty radical regime there that is determined to destabilize the region, uh, to attack its neighbors, to promote terrorism. And if it's given, you know, huge amounts of sanctions uh, uh, relief, and that may happen after the midterms, I think that's something that the Biden administration just doesn't want to want the blowback of, of, of a big sellout before November. Uh, I'm very worried about what Iran will do. Uh, with, with this money to buy missiles, to sponsor terrorism, to send troops into region. You know, after the 2015 uh, nuclear deal, they sent troops into Syria. 
I don't know what will happen. I'm worried. Yeah, a provocation seems to be their tool of resort when the time comes to have their acting out moment. The Israelis also have been pretty, pretty significant in terms of being clear that they're willing to act on their own. They don't need the United States to join them in some active effort to diminish their nuclear capabilities. Do you think Israel launches a preemptive strike? Is that a real possibility as well? Israel hates this nuclear deal. They've made it clear that their efforts to stop Iran from getting a nuclear agreement will will not be interfered with by this terrible agreement. I read that to mean we will continue to sabotage Iranian nuclear sites. Right. But I think if Iran is about to test a device, uh, there could be an Israeli attack, maybe missiles, maybe airstrikes on Iran. Yeah, they got the intel. They know where they want to hit. Shifting to Eastern Europe for a second, the images of retreat this weekend by the Russian forces in places where Russia had pretty strong operational control just a month or two ago. The Ukrainian offensive, as of this moment, seems to be making some pretty strong gains. What is your take on the state of the war? Does Russia come back from this, or does it look for an exit strategy after this round of losses? Well, we're seeing the Ukrainians take the advantage because of superior military tactics, uh, a better weaponry, the incredible weakness of the Russian army. There was deception. The Russians were taken completely off guard. They thought there would be an attack in the south instead of in the north. Uh, of, of Ukraine. But I think the issue, John, we need to talk about is what would have happened if Ukraine had been properly armed before this broke out? What would have happened if the Biden administration had not put the brakes on providing weapons for the first couple months of this conflict? I think it could have been very different. It could be Russia wouldn't have invaded at all. I think uh, Biden has played this wrong at every stage, but that's not going to stop him from going on a victory dance over the next few days over this current offensive that really occurred despite his leadership. Yeah, that's a great point. It really is. Are you surprised that Russia, which spent a decade really rebuilding its forces, has performed as unevenly as some people actually call it a lot worse than that? But it seems to me that they're not as powerful military forces as we thought they were. I think everyone's surprised. I, I, I mean, I think the incompetence and corruption of this government has infected its army. But look, this game is not over yet. Russia still has vast resources. Ukraine has the advantage right now, and I hope it keeps it. But we're still trying to assess where this is going. Uh, the, the Russians aren't defeated yet, and I think we have to be careful in making predictions that they're going to win. They have to keep up this momentum, and that's going to be hard. Yeah, no, it is. And the Russians have a lot more resources they haven't pulled down. I've heard less concerned about this in recent weeks, but for a while there was concerned about use of a tactical weapon to change the balance of the war, a nuclear weapon, of course, that is. Do you think Russia would reach that point of desperation or is there a restraint that you think is still there on in the use of nuclear weapons? Well, my former boss, John Bolton, predicted that just yesterday in an interview when there are other experts who are saying that it's very dangerous to back Putin in a corner, yeah. that he he may lash out in some unpredictable way. That's always been sort of my uh, approach to this, that it would be better to find a negotiated solution, even though it may mean the Ukrainians have to make some territorial compromises. They don't want to do so. They certainly don't want to do so when they're winning. Uh, but I think a nation with the largest nuclear arsenal on Earth is not a nation we should have cornered. And I, I hope there are, I mean, I don't think there are serious efforts to find a negotiated solution, 
but I think that's crucial. Yeah, it, it does. Finding an off-ramp might be the most certain way to show peace through strength at this moment is, is trying to find that off-ramp for Russia before it gets to that sort of point. There is a lot of discussion in the intelligence community, and I had some really amazing interviews last week, that this may have been the first anniversary since 9-11 where the war on terror has measurably taken a step back, particularly Afghanistan General McKenzie was really candid on television on Sunday, as he was in congressional testimony earlier this year, that we're pretty blind in a place where al-Qaeda and ISIS-K seems to be in reconstituting a safe haven. What's your assessment of the last year in the war on terror? Have we taken a step back? Are we running in place? Are we okay? Let me first say, when we talk about the 9-11 anniversary, we have to call it the 9-11 terrorist attacks committed by al-Qaeda, a radical terrorist organization, because the media won't say that. You're right. It's almost like these aircraft flew themselves. <laughs> yes. You watch MSNBC, they don't mention the word terrorism. They never mention al-Qaeda. We have to name the enemy if we're going to defeat the enemy, if we're not going to let the enemy do a comeback. And unfortunately, that's happening. Al-Qaeda's strength, or ISIS's strength, and to some extent, Al-Qaeda's strength, is growing in the Middle East. They're using Afghanistan as a safe haven. They're going to take advantage of the billions of dollars of weapons we left in Afghanistan. And ISIS is making massive gains across Central Africa. They, we know these groups tend to thrive in ungoverned and poorly governed spaces, and they are pushing very hard in Africa. They have not been defeated, and you can be sure they are plotting more major terrorist attacks. Yeah, and it seems like they have a lot more confidence. If Alzwari was sitting on a uh, sun deck, uh, I have to assume that they feel a little more comfortable in Afghanistan than they felt for a long time. One last thing, we, we've had a pretty significant transition in our great ally in Britain. First, the transition to Liz Truss, then the sudden death of the Queen. The state of Britain as our side ally, as someone that we rely on as a stabilizing force in a continent that has a lot of instability right now. What's your thoughts on the British transition going on right now? I'm, I'm hopeful right now with Liz Truss. She really has to get together a a uh, capable conservative government to guide the country through some tough times uh, to keep the country from breaking up uh, because the Scottish are probably going to hold another referendum on right. breaking away. Uh, but we, we need uh, the British desperately for, for our security interests, uh, especially in Europe. Uh, time will tell, but so far I'm, I'm impressed with trust. Yes, he seems to have a very clear vision and a straight way of communicating. There's no fluffing about it. She gets right to the point. And I think that in the moment of crisis, that's helpful. When you look at the continent, energy crisis, food crisis, those are very real things on the horizon of Europe right now with this winter coming, isn't it? I think we're looking at a very bad winter in Europe. It looks like Putin is determined to cut off energy. And we know the Europeans have made themselves dependent on Russia for energy. There's no way to get enough energy in. Uh, to to prevent a crisis for uh, manufacturing and heating of homes this this winter in Europe, maybe the following winter. But uh, you know, we people say, well, we'll just ship American liquefied natural gas to Europe. Easy. That that is complicated yeah. and expensive. There aren't enough ships. There aren't enough terminals to take it in. Uh, there's going to be some rationing, and there's going to be some real humanitarian crises uh, across Europe this winter if if Putin uh, cuts off the the gas. Yeah, uh, what role should the U.S. play? What can we do? I mean, the Biden administration often seems to be leading from behind, but what are some things that the United States could do to help our allies across that continent? I, I think both in the U.S. and abroad, we have to recognize 
natural gas as as the fuel of the future and to stop this ridiculous reliance on electrically charged vehicles or or uh, 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 green fuels, which are never going to fill the gap. I mean, green natural gas is good for the environment. I'd like to hear Joe Biden say that and find ways to get more natural gas into Europe, encourage the Europeans to turn on their their, their nuclear plants. I understand the Germans won't do that, which I just think is insane. Um, I mean, there are solutions to this. I don't think they're going to save Europe this 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 winter, but maybe in the future. And nuclear seems to be, listen, it's always been a zero emission opportunity for a while. It was popular. It's gone off the radar, but it seems like people are starting to legitimately look at it and say, we got to get back to that. Does that become a stabilizing force two, three years down the road? I, I hope so, but I just think the left is still so much against nuclear energy. We're not seeing any move to nuclear energy in California, where, as you know, because of uh, energy problems. People aren't allowed to charge their electric cars. Unbelievable. Uh, what's going to happen when the people of California are forced to buy electric cars? What will fuel them? Yeah. I, I, it, it's, it's just <laughs> a, a, a disaster waiting to happen. I have a friend in California, and they sent me a little clip of the old Gilligan's Island show where they were pedaling on a, a wooden bike trying to generate electricity. <laughs> and it's like, that's what we're going to be in five years. I'm like, oh, my gosh, how terrible. But it's a very real crisis that the Democrats have created. And there's so many obvious solutions that they can't embrace. Such a fascinating time. Fred, it's always an honor to have you on the show. We love your insights and really want to thank you for joining us today. Good to be here, John. Thanks. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages. Hey folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title in your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time, go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote, it's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they've also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free Social Security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, 
and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale, four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, amac.us slash just news. That's amac.us forward slash just news. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. Our next guest is fighting, I think, one of the most important First Amendment cases in the really decades, really uncovering how the United States government under the Biden administration has been working with private entities to thwart free speech, to actually impose censorship without the gains that Attorney General Jeff Landry has made in this lawsuit. We would not know about the complicity between these 13 federal agencies and Twitter and Facebook and those things. And joining us right now is Attorney General Landry. General Landry, great to have you on the show, sir. John, it's a pleasure. It's always great to be with you and your great listeners out there. Well, we're honored to have you, sir. And you are at the middle of, I think, one of the most fascinating cases in recent history. Never in my lifetime, but I would imagine there'd be a moment where federal agencies would pick up the phone and say, hey, you need to censor this story. But that's what you've turned up in this system with Twitter and Facebook and the White House is involved. Tell us the latest that you've been able to get through discovery. Yeah, look, I, let, let me repeat. I do. I agree with you. I think that this is one of the most important cases that I believe eventually will make it up to the Supreme Court in over 100 years. And it should scare the bejeebies out of every American citizen, because this is the kind of thing that is so un-American, it should shake you at your core. So let's walk through a little timeline real quick, John. So 2020, COVID. Right, all through the pandemic, big tech censored a nation. Things that people were posting on the internet, things that people were talking about, medical professionals who were trying to to, to, to find ways to quickly beat back this virus, their information was censored. Let's talk about October 2020, the New York Post censoring a laptop story, right? Remember the Hunter Biden laptop. Let's talk about Russiagate, the amount of information that was suppressing fake news. Then let's look at this year, April 29th, the federal government, the Biden administration announces a disinformation board. Now, how do you square an agency called the disinformation board and the First Amendment to the Bill of Rights. It's impossible, okay? So then May 5th, we filed a lawsuit. We filed a lawsuit that basically said, because what we, what we believed happened was that the government was out there specifically telling big tech what they could and could not put on their particular platforms. Then, then in July, now they laughed at us, and not a lot of people, except for smart people like you, picked up on that lawsuit at the very beginning. But then something unique happened. In July of this year, the judge granted our motion for discovery. Then the subpoenas went out. Then, you know, the proverbial, you know what hit the fan. <laughs> it sure did. Right? Yeah. It did. It did. And then... So then we started looking to find out what's, and what, what happened? 
We ended up identifying 45 federal officials at DHS, CISA, CDC, NIAID, the Office of the Surgeon General, HHS, that communicated with social media platforms about misinformation and censorship. Facebook identified 32 federal officials, including senior officials at the FDA, the U.S. Elections Assistant Commission, and the White House that have communicated with Facebook about content moderation on their platform. We found out that CDC was holding monthly meetings, censorship meetings with Facebook, that senior Facebook officials were communicating directly with the Surgeon General about what they put on their platform. Then, to add insult to injury, two weeks ago, Mark Zuckerberg goes on Joe Rogan's show. He sure did. And, he spilled the beans. And says, and spills the beans and says, the FBI told us what we could and could not say on Facebook. So what happens? We go back in the court last week and we asked the judge to give us some additional subpoena powers over the U.S. Department of Justice and the FBI. And that's where we are today. It is just stunning. I mean, you're talking about 50 plus federal officials involved in this machinery, this chronic continuous effort to, and about a dozen agencies, right, seem to be involved, including ones we don't think of a lot of time, like the Election Assistance Administration. Uh, this seems to have been so widely accepted. And yet you go to the Constitution, you go to the First Amendment of the Constitution, it says Congress shall not pass any law that will abridge the free speech of Americans. And of course, that's been interpreted by the Supreme Court to say, well, the federal agencies who get their budget and legal authority from Congress, yet these agencies felt like totally comfortable. Are you surprised by just the culture of comfort that these agencies and officials had in doing this type of work? Look, I spent a year in Congress uh, during 2010 to 2012, right. and nothing in Washington, D.C. surprises me. <laughs> the, the, you know, we've allowed that, that federal government to grow into a behemoth that just is, is all-encompassing, that, that absolutely, you know, will, will just suck up and there will no, no particular limits to where they can go. And look. look and, but let me, let me, let's explain the case for just a second. So listeners out there understand the direction that we're going. So we know we've got plenty of case law that says that the government cannot entice a private individual to act in a manner that a government official is prohibited from doing, such as if I'm a law enforcement agent, if I'm a police officer, and I believe John's engaged in criminal activity, right. but I don't have probable cause to, to, to get a warrant for you. I can't go force someone to collect that evidence of which I couldn't, you know, in other words, if I would have, if I would have lawfully tried to, 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 to collect that evidence. Right. Okay. Uh, I can't, and, and, and I don't have probable cause. I can't go and tell somebody else to do that, which I can't do. There's all kind of case law that says, no, that's a Fourth Amendment violation. Well, that sits true for the First Amendment as well. We're now going to apply. We're now going to make an attempt to apply tons of Fourth Amendment case law to the First Amendment. So the government can't go out there and censor the John Solomon show 
and then and then you be able to go ahead and 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 agree with the government because you're afraid they might take your license from you. Right. Right. It, it, that's a, it, that is a violation. Yeah. Prior restraint. They would call that right. Prior restraint. Yeah. That's that's correct. That's that's exactly correct. And so that's the case that we have here. It's just amazing. Now, there's a big moment, another big victory for you in the last few days. Uh, the judge has allowed you to submit questions and get sworn interrogatories back from one of the most famous people in this machinery, Dr. Anthony Fauci. How important is that going to be? Oh, that's going to – I can't wait to uncover that treasure chest. <laughs> of course, you know, it's a, it, what's amazing, John, is we served him the subpoenas, and then all of a sudden he said, oh, I think this is going to be my last year at the NH. Yeah, a big change because he had talked about staying through 2024, then a sudden flip right after this happened. Right, right. But I can promise you, retirement is not going to save him from us. That I can guarantee you. I want to know everything that Dr. Fauci hid from the American people. I mean, because look, we don't know. I mean, think about all the therapeuticals that might have been hidden that could have saved people's lives. I mean, how many people may have died unnecessarily because Anthony Fauci decided that something was misinformation? Yeah, it's just stunning. It's just stunning to see what we're going to get access to and what we were kept for the last couple of years. I mean, flying blind as long as we did. And if it weren't for your lawsuit with Eric Schmidt, we wouldn't know any of this. This is such a significant strike of information. You're going to get to the bottom of this. We're going to know how widespread the censorship is, who was involved, who sanctioned it. But given the conduct that you've already seen, what is the remedy? Obviously, there's a legal remedy you're going to seek in the lawsuits, but does Congress need to get involved and say, hey, we got to push back on these agencies and stop this machinery? You know, that's a great question because someone actually said, well, what do you want out of this lawsuit? Well, of course, certainly this lawsuit will give rise to other lawsuits for people to be able to sue the government for violating their First Amendment. That's number one. Um, number two, if I, I would love to see some injunctive relief in forcing the platforms to put out everything that they censored. In other words, there should be a place that's readily available, that's literally pushed out to the American people so that they have an opportunity to see what their government tried to hide from them. And then I believe that it is incumbent upon Congress to start reining in these agencies. All right, they've got way too much discretion. They've got way too much authority. Um, um, you know, of course, that's a, that's a bigger, broader, more complicated problem. But, but look, I, I believe that sunlight is the best disinfectant. And I think that when the American people see not only what they were not told, but what they were hidden from, or what was out there, it's going to be shocking to them. Yeah, no, I think that that really is. And do you think there's a mindset in Congress, particularly if it flips hands, Republicans get control of the House or House and Senate, that there can be some legislative solutions? Because it seems remarkable. It seems like everybody who read the First Amendment knows, hey, government shouldn't be involved in censorship. Now we know that threshold has been crossed in a significant systemic way. Do you think there's an appetite to put laws and regulations in place that will stop it going forward? Well, I don't, I, well, here's the question. I mean, look, let, let me back up because this is where sometimes I get, I get cross whatever. I don't think we need any more new laws. I just think we need to uphold the First Amendment, right? So, so in other words, on the books. We got, we yeah. got, it's already on the books. Um, I, think, I think the penalty should be defunding 
downsizing, scaling back. People, people like Dr. Anthony Fauci should, held, should be held accountable, right? There should be some sort of accountability for the actions that they've taken, um, whether it's civil or whether they engage in any criminal conduct as well, whether people were, you know, because, I mean, think about it. I mean, I don't know. Was there any fraud that went about it on that? Was there, was there financial gain that was, that was made by, by keeping this information from the American people? You know, I think all of that needs to be exposed. That, that, that to me is the answer. And the courts can give that remedy, right? They can declare this was unconstitutional behavior, order that it doesn't happen again. Is that the end game for you to get a ruling, not only that this was unconstitutional, but to get an injunction to prevent it from happening in the future? Well, the injunctive relief could be something like putting it out, like forcing the big tech platforms to spend money putting out to ensure that every American citizen gets an opportunity to see in a catalog searchable format exactly what was done. That's how you prevent this from happening again. You don't need another law in the books. You need to hold people accountable for violating people's First Amendment rights. Oh, it's so, so important. It's funny, the power of shaming and the power of transparency in being able to get people to realize what was going on. Of all the things you've seen thus far, what is the most shocking part of the censorship? Is it the Hunter Biden stuff, which meddles in the election or keeping legitimate debate in the medical community about uncertain things from actually occurring? I don't think there's one. The whole thing shocks me. Yeah. The process is what shocks me more than the topic. Any doubt that it's systematic in the Biden administration, that it's widespread? Oh, I think it's systematic throughout the federal government. I mean, I mean, I mean, I, look, it would not have surprised. Look, you got to remember, when, even when President Trump was there, the people who were running the government and the bureaucrats, like they, like they wouldn't, they wouldn't, you know, in step with the president. That's they right. were out there trying to, trying to undermine him at each and every Every, every chance they got. So I think that this thing, I think that what happens is when someone like Joe Biden becomes the president, the bureaucrats become even more empowered. But before that, I mean, they, they wasn't doing the pre, you know, Trump anything. I mean, you think, Dr. You think Anthony Fauci was working on the be, for, for what was best for the president or what was best for himself? He seemed to have a lot of uh, differences with the president, and uh, history will probably look back at those differences and realize he might have been wrong on a lot of them. Just from what we're learning now, I mean, it's it's kind of remarkable. You see this incredible censorship machine, particularly going after you know, some of the people that were raising questions about our COVID strategy were really decorated, successful, trusted uh, excellent uh, epidemiologists and that they're getting censored in real time. And then all of a sudden you come out and you see the interview that uh, someone like Deborah Burks gave just a month ago saying, oh, we knew all along the, the vaccine wasn't going to solve any problems. It wasn't going to stop infections. All it would do is make them less. The idea that bureaucrats could know certain information and keep it from us and allow the false narrative to go out there, uh, that seems to be the, the ultimate consequence of the censorship. It allowed a false narrative to be imposed on the American people, right? Yeah, I mean, listen, those are the kind of things that, that people like Bricks and them should lose their licenses for, their pensions. I mean, think about that. I mean, what is the penalty for lying to the American people? And then admitting it. Yeah. I mean, I think about what you just said, John. It is stunning. I mean, they, they not only had the audacity to lie, 
Then they had the audacity to tell you they lied to you. It's exactly the truth. Yeah, there's no other way of looking at that. That's exactly what happened. Where do we go next in this lawsuit? I know you're real busy. What are the next steps? Are the interrogatories, I guess, Fauci will be very important, right? Yes, we're going to be going through. I'm sure they're going to do a big data dump. We're going to sift through that. We've got subpoenas that need to go out to DOJ and the FBI. Can't wait to see what they have to say. I understand that DOJ is going to claim some sort of uh, privilege or executive privilege. But my response to them is you don't get a privilege for violating someone's constitutional rights. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. No, that's exactly the point. Well, it's going to be fascinating. Sir, what you're doing is so epically important to the American public, and we all should care, regardless of our political stripe. This sort of censorship went on right below our noses. It's so great that you're doing it. One last question. I got a lot of friends in Louisiana, and there are people that I hear now are getting their hands on things called Team Landry governor hats and shirts. A lot of excitement that you might run for governor. Anything, any light you can shed on that for us? Here's what I tell you, you know, John, I've really believed, you know, I said earlier that I had an opportunity to serve in the U.S. House of, uh, of Representatives, find people out there, great opportunity. And, and, and the one thing I've learned is, is that we fix our country not in Washington, D.C. We fix our country when we fix our states. Uh, and, and, and so, you know, I'm, uh, I'm going to be speaking to a lot of those same people that are excited. I'm as excited as them to find some new leadership here in Louisiana and and we'll keep you posted. Yeah, I think a lot of people will be watching with excitement to see how that shapes up. Sir, it's an honor to have you on the show. Thank you for bringing us up to speed. This is such an important case. We're going to keep our eye on it day and night until you see it through to completion. But a big thanks for joining us on a busy day. Okay, thank you, John. Thank you, sir. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we'll wrap things up for the day. Delve into the shadows of the mind. With Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Report. So grateful you can join me today. Tune in tonight. We'll have a little bit more on the Eric Hoare whistleblower story about January 6th. This is the story that Democrats on the January 6th panel, that Nancy Pelosi does not want the American public to hear. But you're going to hear it. You're going to see it. You're going to read it. You're going to be able to touch the documents because I'm making them public tomorrow on justthenews.com. So go check that out overnight. In the meantime, I have so many great people to thank for what we do at Just the News. Partners, sponsors, advertisers, patriotic Americans, and one of them are my good friends at My Patriot Supply. People ask me, John, is there something I can do to help you do the reporting? We like the reporting. We love your team. We love the stories. We love the transparency you bring to reporting because every story has the dig-in tool and you can see everything that the reporter had in their notebook. And my answer is, yes, there is something you can do. 
go support the amazing people that support our show. One of them are my friends at My Patriot Supply. Everybody's talking about the farmers warning of food shortages, the United Nations, the European Union warning of this with the war, with the prices of inflation and high gas prices. Well, don't get caught unprepared or ill-prepared. Now is a good time to stock up on emergency food, especially when you can save $250 because you're a member of the Justin News family. That's what My Patriot Supply is doing. They're offering a special URL. Get a load of this. I have my own URL. Preparewithsolomon.com. Prepare with S-O-L-O-M-O-N. That's my last name. Dot com. All right. You go to that website. You're going to get $250 off if you stock up on one of their three-month kits. Their three-month emergency food supply kits. This is an incredible offer. It's one of the biggest savings you're ever going to get. And by the way, you're getting the prices now at a good price. As inflation goes up, the price of preparedness like this is going to go up. Get it now. Get the peace of mind and the food you need right now. Three-month supply, three meals square a day, 2,000 calories a day for my friends at My Patriot Supply. That's one way you can support me. All you got to do, go to preparewithsolomon.com, fill your cupboards, get that off your worry list, and support one of our great advertisers, My Patriot Supply. One more time. How are you going to do that? How are you going to get 250 bucks off? Fill your cupboards. Be prepared. Get it off your bucket worry list. Well, it's simple. Go to the very special URL that my friends at My Patriot Supply have created. Prepare with Solomon. That's S-O-L-O-M-O-N in case you didn't know. Preparewithsolomon.com. Very special offer there. 250 bucks off per kit. Don't wait. Don't delay. Don't be caught off guard. Well, that's one way you can support us, folks, and support the great advertisers, partners, and sponsors that we have in this incredible family that is Just the News. Go check out My Patriot Supply. Take advantage of preparewithsolomon.com and the $250 gracious discount you're going to get if you buy a three-month supply. That's a good deal. All right, folks, tune in tonight. Just the News, Not Noise, uh, right at 6 o'clock on Real America's Voice. James Comer, the man who could be the chairman of the House Oversight Committee next year, Republican of Kentucky. He's going to talk to us. We're going to find out the latest on the Hunter Biden investigation, the FBI whistleblower investigation. And we'll ask Congressman Comer about that Eric Core whistleblower memo as well. So you'll have all of that tonight. And then, of course, when you wake up in the morning, don't forget, check out justinews.com. We'll have the extraordinary details of the Capitol Police whistleblower, the intelligence failures you haven't been told about from the January 6th. The intelligence failures that, by the way, occurred on Nancy Pelosi's watch as House Speaker. That's right. Nancy Pelosi is the mayor of Capitol Hill. She ultimately is in charge of the Capitol Police and the security apparatus. She has skated. The January 6th committee just won't ask questions about her. But we now have the goods inside the Capitol Police Department. A bona fide whistleblower with bona fide documents. And by the way, his January 9th, three day after the fact memo is backed up with Hundreds of pages of what went on before January 6th. It isn't just some guy popping off. We substantiate that what he is saying in the memo turns out to be true. Very important stuff. All right, folks, have a great night. Thanks for listening. God bless you. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from you know where, just the news. Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner. Whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bite, 
you and your family need to be prepared. That's what we learned from this last pandemic, right? That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their great doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough on all the time on our shows. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals that you can trust. And the new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy, and most importantly, prepared. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin and z The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all of these life-saving medications. So you know what you're doing. From anthrax to tick bites to COVID and even the bioweapon like the plague, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to keep you and your family safe from whatever the globalists throw your way. Go to www.twchealth/justnews today in order. That's twc.health/justnews and use the promo code justnews to save 10%. Hey there, it's Amanda Head, and I am thrilled to introduce to you my new exciting podcast, Furthermore, with Amanda Head, broadcasting weekly from sunny Los Angeles, California, and brought to you by the dynamic Just the News Podcast Network. On this fresh and engaging podcast, I delve into the latest news with a little bit of a twist, exploring the furthermore of every story. But this isn't your typical run-of-the-mill news commentary or politically charged program. I interview a diverse range of guests, including business leaders, entertainers, musicians, educators, experts, politicians, and many influential figures from both the United States and around the world. So why not make your Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays a little more interesting? Tune in on your preferred podcast platform and discover furthermore with Amanda Head on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And don't forget to hit that follow or subscribe button and be sure to download the latest episodes. I can't wait to have you join me on this exciting journey.